Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Last week, I ended with telling you how I had gone out, and the, the coldest day of, the, of this fall season was the one day that I had to put a tire on my wife's Durango, okay? So I, the easy thing would have been to do it the day before, right? You know, when it's, when it's nice and it's sunny and everything. No, I wait till the morning that my wife needs to take the kids to school and I run out there and I put the tire on and I reach over there and I've got the air compressor right there and uh, I got ready to... And boy, I was going to be like a NASCAR pit whatever you call them people, right? I mean, I was going to set a record. I'm cold. Now, I, I'm, I'm from Texas. I, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But, you know, I, I seriously, all joking aside, I only get, you know, my fingers only go numb when it drops below 70, okay? I'm getting better. If it's below 60, my mouth turns blue, okay? And it was 22, that morning. So I'm not doing good at all, right? So I put the tire on there and anyway, I'm shivering and I'm shaking and I reach over there and I turn the compressor on and the compressor goes bloop, 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 bloop and blows the breaker. So I put it down. I'm still cold, believe it or not. So I run over there and I flip the breaker. What in the world's the matter with you? Flip it back on and it goes bloop, bloop and blows the breaker. My wife is trying to take our kids to school. I'm trying to put a tire on, and I have got frostbite going on right now, okay? And so I was just like, you, you know those mornings, you're just like, man, can nothing go right? I mean, how, how simple would it have been to put the tire on and grab the little deal, and the air compressor turns on like it's supposed to, and you go, rit, 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 rit. you let the jack down, you pull off, and you, you, know, you just go. Like, here, honey, I'm done. Ah, no, 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 no. That, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't going to happen. So I had to resort to plan B. I had to go get something that my daddy had given me about 25 years ago. Some of you are going to know exactly what this is. Some of you are not going to have a clue. And if I would have had my head on straight, I would have brought one so that you could see the mythical creature. Okay? This mythical creature that I am referring to is called a four-way lug wrench. Okay? It's this specialized tool that you manually use to tighten and untighten lug nuts on a car, okay? It is not near as fast as with that air gun thingy, unless you can get it balanced just right and you get that spin, right? Which I'm pretty good at because whenever your hand is frozen solid, it creates a frictionless kind of cup to be able to but you got to be careful that you don't hit your other hand when it's spinning because then you cry like a baby and little sonic ice cube tears fall from your face so anyway i got the lug wrench out it's real old it's rusted you know and it still works it does not need electricity it does you know it it, it, it works in hot or, or cold weather. 
And believe it or not, it will fit nearly any situation. It will not fit a tractor, okay? You call somebody, you call Dwight Oker for the tractor deal, because I don't do tractors. But if you got a flat on the tractor, you're just done, right? You don't, you're not, most of us are not taking our kids to school on the tractor anymore. You know what? There's another gift that our dad has given us, but not the dad that you grew up with. The dad that Jesus referred to as our father in heaven. This gift that our dad has given us, it works all the time to help us get the job done. It's an all-terrain type of gift. It works in rain, sleet, snow, hail, heat, and the holidays when you're supposed to be nice to your in-laws and that one sister, right? Now I know who has the one sisters. It has no limits, and there's no lug nut it can't fit, and there's no nut job that can't use it, okay? It's a gift from our Father, and one that we will see is very seldom used. It is so seldom used that most people don't even know that they have it. It, it, it's, It's way off somewhere else, you know, in that one time that you need it. You don't even know where it is, so you're running around going, oh my gosh, I know I had something that would work on this. What's that thing called? You know, and so we've been talking about the seven habits of highly effective cowboys. And we're in part four. Now, if you're, if you're just coming and, and like our part four is your part one, you can always go to our website, savethecowboy.com, click on watch live at the top, and you can go back. And there's this really cool thing when you click on that link. There's these pictures that say seven habits of highly effective cowboys, part one. If you click on that, you can watch part one. Part two, or you can download our, our mobile app from the same, savethecowboy.com, click on that. You can download our mobile app. You can listen to the podcast. So there's no reason that you can't get caught up. But the, to give you the, the, the Cliff Notes version, part one was to be servant-minded. The first habit of a highly effective cowboy is to be servant-minded. We are servants to the ranch. We go out. We are servants to the cows. We may be in charge, but we're all about serving. You know, we, we, we check the water. We check the mineral. We check their health. We fix the fence. We are truly servants. And that's what makes cowboys great. They don't care about their, oh, well, it's, it's you know, it's snowing outside. You still have to go feed. You still have to go break, break ice. The second one was be focus on the important things, not the little things. You know, or, or another way to say that is focus on the important, not the urgent. Isn't it amazing how we spend most of our time doing urgent things instead of doing important things? I wonder what would happen if we focused on doing the important things instead of merely the urgent. Last week we talked about right attitude leads to right action. You get, you, you get your attitude right and you would be amazed at how quickly things will, will start to kind of line out in your life. And then today we're going to talk about using the right tool for the job. A habit of a highly effective cowboy is using the right tool for the job. In 2 Timothy, ready, go, 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 go. I hear no pages turning. Y'all must all be using digital versions. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul talks about the gift that our dad has given us. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. Another, what Paul is saying is, hey man, my dad gave you a gift. 
You don't even know where it's at. But I want you to go get that. I'm going to tell you where and what it is. And I want you to get that. And I want you to use it. Because it is going to get the job done. Okay? See, there's something inside us that God gave. For a lot of us, this gift has been dormant. It's been sleeping. It's been ineffective. Not that itself is ineffective, but you know what? If I give you a gift and you don't use it, guess what? It's ineffective. You're using it ineffectively. It's silent and it's still. It's just sitting over there. Kind of like a lot of the stuff that, that, that's in our garage or, you know, the other day I, I was looking for, uh, I've got a kind of a cheap pair of nippers that I use to kind of pull off horseshoes and stuff like that. And man, I looked everywhere for these nippers because I, you know, I use them like once every nine years. And, um, and I was going to call my son and say, Griffin, do you know where the nippers are? And, um, but I didn't, I mean, I looked everywhere and finally I asked, I was like, hey, do you know where, the, where my green-handled nippers are? <laughs> and he giggled. You ever heard Ty giggle? It's kind of a humorous thing. He giggled and said, they're in the fencing bucket. Now, let me give you a little hint. If it's in the fencing bucket, that means that with my nippers that are supposed to cut hooves and stuff, somebody has been using them to cut wire. So I went and I found my nippers right where Ty said they were, and I held them up to the light and you could see through them. So now we have, if you'd like to come fix fence, we have a nice pair of fencing pliers that are about this long. You, you know, I mean, and honestly, this gift that God has given us, man, it, it's been ineffective. It's been over here. It's been dormant. It's been sleeping. We haven't been using it or we haven't been using it right. Paul then says that at our conversion, he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Paul tells us that at our conversion... When we ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior, that we are given a gift right then, okay? We are given a gift, but what is it? Before I tell you, I want you to forget everything that you have ever assumed, everything you've heard, everything you've felt or been told. I want you to look at this gift. And I'm not saying that any, th any of that is bad. I'm not, you know, saying that you've been taught wrong or anything. But what I want is, is I want a fresh slate to paint the picture of what God wants you to hear this morning, okay? So, so just, just wipe all those preconceived notions out the window, and I don't know if you can wipe something out the window, but anyway, you know what I mean. Look at this gift in a brand new way. And in verse 7, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, I want to be real careful, okay? We have to understand what this verse says in context. Because if we just look at this verse in, in one little part, we might totally miss what God is telling us. For example, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible is Philippians 4.13. And it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? But if you look in context with what's, what that's talking about, Paul is saying, man, I have had everything and I have had nothing. I have learned to be content with whether God is providing me with everything 
or I have learned to be content if I have absolutely nothing, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, he wasn't necessarily talking about how you can jump off the roof and not break your, both your ankles because you believe in Christ, okay? He's saying that we can be content in every situation. If God, if God gives us all of this, we can say, man, glory to, glory to God. And if we have absolutely nothing, we can say glory to God. We can do all of these things through Christ who strengthens us. The same way with this verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. He's not talking about your attitude. He's not talking about your spirit. He is describing the Holy Spirit that was given to you whenever you accepted Christ as your Savior. He's describing the Holy Spirit. He's describing the gift that has been made available to you. It is not one of fear and timidity. You know, last night me and my wife went to a movie theater, and I got to giggling, and I could not quit. I, I could not quit thinking about this. You know, they, they have the little, the little red guys that come on, and they're like the seven-up dots or something like that. I don't know what they are. And anyway, it was like, if you see any suspicious characters... Report them at once to one of our staff and we will take care of it. And I was like, you mean like that little nerdy kid that was sweeping the popcorn? He's good. I mean, if I see a suspicious character, I'm going to run up. Hey, dude, there's a suspicious character over here. Go do something about it. That dude's going to wet his pants. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not like criticizing the little kid, but you know, I mean, if I want to run to somebody for some help, I want that dude off of Gladiator, Right? <laughs> What, what's his name, Gluteus Maximus or something like that? That's who I want. I want somebody with a sword, okay? I want Beowulf. Um, you know, I want Gus McRae and Woodrow Call. That's who I want. Oh, I see a suspicious character at the movie theater. Gus, go handle it, you know? Or Wyatt Earp, he's going to pistol whip somebody, you know? I don't take no surly, suspicious characters. That's who I want. I don't want this fear and timidity guy. So when we are coming to God, God is not going to send us the little nerdy kid with the broom to help us out. He said, I did not give you a spirit of fear and timidity. I gave you the Holy Spirit that is full of power, that is full of love, and that will teach you self-discipline. That is, it's not describing you. It's describing the gift that we have been given. The Holy Spirit gives us power. What, the, the power for what, okay? It's not like, you know, he's given us a power where we can just go do whatever we want. Oh, God gave me the power, so now I'm going to go be a big movie star and get all this money. And No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. He said, the, the Spirit is full of power, the power to do the will of God. Remember what we said? That when you meet the needs of others, God will meet all of your needs. Everything that you have been looking for is not found in this world. It is found in the will of God. We're, we're, we're looking everywhere. That's why Jesus said the road that leads to life is narrow and few find it. But the road to destruction is wide and everybody's on it. Everybody's looking for all of this stuff that's going to make them happy and fulfill their needs. New jobs, better horses, blah, 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 blah. And God's saying, yeah, idiots, it's me. 
You want to be fulfilled? Do my work. Or else you're just going to be over there just running around like crazy. It's like being on a cattle drive and you're over there, you know, bumping up against the fence. You're not doing anything. You look kind of silly. Do what God wants you to do. And that's why the Holy Spirit gives us power to do the will of God. To do the things that he has called us to do. Not the things that we want to do. To do the will of God. The power to change our lives and to change others' lives. That's where the power comes from. It is not for selfish gain. It is not for prideful ambition. This power is not for drawing attention to ourselves. It's not. And we're going to do something a little different. I surprised my wife this morning, and then she surprised me when she came in. I'm going to stop right there and just give that a second to soak in. And I'm going to let her come up, and I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about something. Morning. Last week I gave you some homework. I'm going to give you some more. If you have your Bible or something to write with, turn to or write down to look at later. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And as I read this to you right now, and as you look at it again later during the week, I would like to ask you to ask yourself sincerely, do you believe what you say you believe? And if you do, if you do believe what you say you believe, are you doing what you say you believe? Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But the expert wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who am I supposed to love? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out some money and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Go and love likewise. Amen. Go and do likewise. The one that had mercy on him, love. For the spirit that God gave us is not one of fear and timidity, but of power and love. 
The Holy Spirit teaches us how to love. You're not going to be able to do it without the Holy Spirit's help because it is contrary to our nature. We will be like that expert in the law that's always looking for loopholes. Well, well, who is my neighbor? God says, don't worry about who your neighbor is. You worry about being a neighbor. You do the loving. Love is the conduit through which the power we are given flows. Think about that. Love is the conduit through which the power we are given flows. Things that stop, stop up the conduit, things that clog up the plumbing of God's power are things like this, negativity. None of y'all are negative. I, I know that you're positive all the time. You're never negative. Well, I'm, I'm sometimes negative. Um, um, hate. Hate plugs up that power. You know, hate is the, is, the, is the antidote to love. I'm, or I don't know if that's necessarily right, but you know what I mean. It stops it up. It keeps it from happening. How about this? And I know nobody else does this but me. How about complaining and grumbling? Man, those things clog things up. The, the power that comes from the Holy Spirit that's given to us, man, it, it may be all right there. But nothing's coming out because of our complaining and our grumbling. How about this? You, you, you want to know that it, it, it's kind of like, uh, who was I talking to the other day? Uh, I was talking to somebody and, oh, yeah, it was somebody I was day working for. They were telling me that their little kid, um, they have this like two sheets of toilet paper rule because she took the entire roll of toilet paper, clogged it up so bad they had to take the toilet off. I mean, that's a bad clog, right? This is the bad clog of God's power, pride and ego. You, you, you want to clog up that conduit, that pipe through which the power of God flows? Pride and ego will do it every time. How about this? Addictions. Focus, I mean, if something is more important to you than God, it's going to clog up God's power. It is. Selfish desires, love of money, says the Root of all evil is the, is, is the love of money. God himself said, you can't serve two masters. You'll serve one and hate the other, for you cannot serve both God and money. You want to clog that power? You, you wondering why you don't feel powerful? Maybe that's it. We're told to love at all times. Jesus loved at all times. He doesn't say love in all situations except these. Even when they nailed Jesus to a cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We are told to love ourselves, okay? Uh, one of the worst things in this world is not to realize that we are loved by God and that we can love ourselves. That does not mean that we focus on ourselves, but we, the Bible says that we are wonderfully made. It says that we are the... Uh, Oh, what's that verse? We are the workmanship. We are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. See, God don't make crap. And he made you. So you ain't that. So quit thinking negatively about yourself. We love ourselves. We're supposed to love our neighbors. Just like love he got through saying. Our enemies. We're supposed to love even our enemies. God says, man, if you only love those that love you, that doesn't make you special. Even the heathens do that. Even sinners do that. But boy, how, how much does that describe Christians these days too? Oh, we're going to love Christians, but we're not going to love those other people. Oh, mm -hmm. Never mind. That's another sermon. 
got to work on my mouth before I preach that one. How about this one? Those who persecute us. Those who persecute us. We're supposed to love them. Oh, they're talking stuff about you? Love them anyway. How about those that disagree with us? I seen uh, Renee post something the other day, and then I made a picture at it that said the mark of maturity, the true mark of maturity is when you can totally disagree with somebody and still act respectful or something like that. But what happens when people disagree with us? Oh, we get, we get fired up mad. Rah, 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 rah. We are to love ourselves, love our neighbors, love our enemies, love those who persecute us, love those who disagree with us. We're supposed to even love those that didn't vote like we did. Yeah. I'm going to be smacking some people. Smack you right off social media. Watch your mouth. Shut up. I don't care who you voted for. We are still, you don't have to like anybody else's decision, but you don't go condemning other people because they didn't do something that you don't like. We are supposed to love, and there is no exceptions. Somebody put a mirror right here, okay? Just so you know that I'm talking to myself too, not just y'all. The Holy Spirit gives us power. It is the will of God. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to live through love. Love is the, is the conduit through which that power flows. And the Holy Spirit gives us self-discipline or self-control. I love this quote by a guy named Philip Towner. I have no idea who he is. I just know his name. Paul has in mind a measure of control over one's thinking and actions that allows a balanced outlook on any situation. When everything is coming unglued, this quality of level-headedness will keep the Christian focused calmly on the power and the love that the Holy Spirit provides, and so it makes perseverance in life and ministry possible. Now, I'm going to read it again now that you've already heard it and kind of know what to expect. Paul has in mind a measure of control over one's thinking and actions that allow a balanced outlook on any situation when everything is coming unglued. This quality of level-headedness will keep the Christian focused calmly on the power and love that the Spirit provides, and so it makes perseverance in life and ministry possible. Man, that, 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 that's, that's awesome right there. That is awesome. And in 2 Timothy 4, 5, if we were to keep reading in 2 Timothy, Paul says, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Do not be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Paul tells us that without a clear mind, you will be afraid. You'll be afraid. Paul tells us that without a clear mind, you won't tell others the good news. You'll only focus on the bad news. And when you focus on the bad news, your life starts to focus on the bad news. And Paul tells us that without a clear mind... You will not carry out God's will for your life, but you will carry the burdens of the world. Name nearly every bad thing that happens in this world. That's what the world has to offer. You think of all of the good things that are in this world, and that's what God wants for you. God said it himself, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for purpose, plans for love, not for evil. The fourth habit of a highly effective cowboy is using the right tool for the job. God has given us that tool and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us to fan into flame the gift 
that God has given you, there is something glowing within each of you believers. Get rid of all the stuff that you've piled on top of it. Go dig it out of your closet. Stroke the power, the fire of power, love, and self-control that will change your life and others, and you will be able to do the will of God. You want a miraculous change in your life? God has told you what it is. You can't be something different if you don't do something different. And if you're not satisfied with your level of your relationship with God, do something about it. Do what we've talked about today. Do what Ty talked about. Do what Lovey talked about. Do what God is talking about right here. And you will have a change in your life that will not just change your life, but it will have a ripple effect into your family, into your children, into your coworkers, into your friends, into your workplace, into your community. Let's shake the institution up, the worldly institution. But it doesn't start with the preacher. It starts with you, and you're here for a reason. So I got the tire put on the Durango, right? I got the tire put on there. I, I, I put it down. I jumped in, and I backed it up, and I went over there. And because I'm like the greatest husband in the world, I turned on the seat warmer for my wife. You know what I mean? Just a little bit of extra something. Sat on my hands for a little while so I could open the door because I'm frozen. So I get out, and I'm like, honey, I got the tire changed. And she's like, thanks. And, you know, I wanted to tell her about, you know, how hard I had worked and everything, but I didn't because I had to go do some day work with Kevin Bredesen. And so anyway, I was like, okay, honey, you're, you're good to go. So I got to go out there, and I got to get butthead, right? So I go out there, and I get butthead, and then I go, and I open up the trailer, and I go to get him in, and he goes, <laughs> sound familiar? Don't you start that again. So I put the reins over him and sent him in there, and he, he went right in, right? He went right in. I backed the trailer up. And then pulled forward and back the trailer up again. And then pulled forward and back the trailer up again. I was always off about this far. I know none of y'all have ever done that backing up to a trailer. Okay? I'm the only one. So I backed up, got the trailer down, locked it all in, jacked it down, blah, blah, blah. And I looked and guess what I have? A flat tire. <laughs> yep. Welcome to my world. Come and play. Come and play. Enjoy. Smell the aroma. The air compressor's way over there. Is she no worky? So I pull over there anyway, and I walk over to the air compressor, and I take my hat off, and I lay hands on it. God, please. I'm trying. More sonic tears. God, if you love me. Blah. Blah, 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 blah. Yes! Yes! Thank you, God! Because I don't like being late, right? I mean, that's like the worst thing in the world. So I grab the air hose and I go over there and I stick it on the tire and I watch that tire. I'm like, okay, everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> I'm just having a bad. I've been telling you all these stories for four weeks. This hasn't been 24 hours yet, okay? This has been kind of a rough little stretch. So anyway, the tire gets aired up, and I take it off, and I switch, I switch the air compressor off, and I hear, Psss. 
So I went and got a hammer. Not just one of those little claw hammers that you nail a pitcher into. I got me a sledgehammer. Come back next week and I'll tell you what I did with it. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we love you so much. We thank you for this day. And God, you want to change the lives of people in here today. But here's here's the thing. God, they have a choice. They have a choice whether to follow you or not. Help them to choose wisely, God. The cowboy has molded and shaped our country by the sweat of his brow and his faith in God. Slowly, his way of life has been labeled as outdated and obsolete. If that wasn't enough, religion has tried to change his view of the God he experiences every day. The rough hands of the carpenter's son have been replaced with silver tongues and promises of an easy life. But the cowboy knows better. His way of life is slowly dying. No longer do people keep their word. No longer is a handshake all you need. He searches for men who act like men and ladies who act like ladies. He is one in a thousand and he needs your help. For just $35 a month, which is one one thousandth of the average yearly salary, you can be part of saving the cowboy's heritage, saving the cowboy's faith, and his livelihood. You too can help save the cowboy. Just text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977 and be a part of something extraordinary.